If you weren't here last week, you missed it. Good news, there's an audio on anywhere you want to listen to music. There's YouTube. You can re-listen to this sermon from last week about perseverance, and we're going to get into the second part of this. And we said from the beginning when we started this that we don't know where it's going to take us, how it's going to go, if we need to go one week on something or two. We want to be flexible with the Lord. We don't want to try to fit God into our box. We are going to be flexible with where God wants to lead us. And that's the, that's the key to the whole thing. And so we're going to jump into this second part uh, all together. And um, last week I, I brought out the pulpit and uh, went for it, and it was awesome. Um, this week it is definitely fitting for what we're about to talk about, uh, especially what we've been doing in this area right here uh, for the last year, um, over a year now. And so we're going to dig into this about Nehemiah. I pray that uh, you lean into this. If you can take notes, do it, because it'll help you get to heaven. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's exciting that when you start to just, just dig, it, it, I don't know about you, but when I get into the Word of God, it's like, it's like me eating a steak, man. I can't help. I just want to dig more, and I want to get deeper in it, and I want to look at different translations, and I want to dig further, and like, why was it like that? And like, it intrigues me. The Word of God should. The greatest stories ever told are in the Bible. The greatest scandals ever heard are in the Bible. Like everybody likes to read these crazy books and watch these weird movies. All of that's in the Bible. And there's truth to it. And there's craziness about it. And, and God gets the glory through it all. The greatest stories ever told. Dig deep into that. You know, I know we do like Netflix and chill. And we all like that stuff. But sometimes you need to chill with the word of God sometimes. Let that, let your mind open up to the things of God. Let it just draw you in and take you right into the scene of the walls dropping and Nehemiah trying to figure out what to do with the people and Nehemiah going before the king. And, and can, you, can you see it? Can you be there? Can you dig into it like that? That should intrigue you because that's what the word of God does. It becomes alive to you. So I'm going to have my wife. She's going to start off reading um, it in chapter 4. You guys got your Bibles ready this morning? I don't care if it's on your phone. Just pull your light out. I'm going to read this in the message version this morning. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he exploded in anger, vilifying the Jews. In the company of his Samaritan cronies and military, he let loose. What are these miserable Jews doing? Do they think they can get everything back to normal overnight? Make building stones out of make-believe? At his side, Tobiah the Ammonite jumped in and said, That's right. What do they think they're building? Why, if a fox climbed that wall, it would fall to pieces under his weight. Nehemiah prayed, Oh, listen to us, dear God. We're so despised. Boomerang their ridicule on their heads. Have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forgive their iniquity. Don't wipe away their sin. They've insulted the builders. We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. And when Sembalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem were going so well, that the breaks in the wall were being fixed, they were absolutely furious. They put their heads together and decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. We encountered with prayer to our God 
When we countered with prayer to our God and set at the round table clock guard against them. But soon word was going around in Judah. The builders are pooped. The rubbish piles up. We're in over our heads. We can't build this wall. And all this time our enemies were saying, they won't know what hit them. Before they know it, we'll be at their throats, killing them right and left. That will, be put, that will put the stop to the work. And the Jews who were their neighbors kept reporting, they have us surrounded. They're going to attack. If we heard it once, we heard it ten times. So I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. After looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds over on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Our enemies learned that we knew all about their plan and that God had frustrated it, and we went back to the wall and went to work. From then on, half of my young men worked while the other half stood guard with lances, shields, bows, and male armor. Military officers served as backup for everyone in Judah who was at work rebuilding the wall. The common laborers held a tool in one hand and a spear in the other, and each one of the work builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked. I kept the trumpeter at my side to sound the alert, and then I spoke to the nobles and officials and everyone else. There's a lot of work going on, and we are spread out all along the wall, separated from each other. When you hear the trumpet call, join us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we kept working from first light until the stars came out, half of us holding lances. I also instructed the people, each person and his helper, is to stay inside Jerusalem, guards by night and workmen by day. We all slept in our clothes. I, my brothers, my workmen, and the guards backing me up. And each one kept his spear in hand, even when getting water. The definition of perseverance is the ability to keep going despite difficulty or delay. Has anybody in this room, be honest, ever been bullied? Right? Now, if any of y'all didn't raise your hand and you was the bully, shame on you. <laughs> but Jesus forgives that too, just letting you know. If you've ever been bullied, you know, what does a bully do? He thrives off of you feeling that he's in control, he or she. They thrive off of you feeling that they are in control of what you do, your responses, how you do things, how you work at things, and, and they get a kick out of you feeling defeated. They thrive off that. They eat off of it. They love to know that you feel weaker than they do. That's what builds them up. But there is not one bully in this world that likes it when you push back to them. There is not one bully in this world that thinks it's a good thing when you persevere in the midst of difficulty and you keep getting back up to say, I'm not taking it. Not today, Satan. You're not coming into my corner. And what happens is we are in the perfect bully story right here. See, Nehemiah decided to go before the king as the cupbearer, and his heart was heavy for Jerusalem. His heart was heavy that they were struggling and that they were burdened and that, that their city was defiled. And so he desired to ask the king, you know, I want to go help rebuild these walls. Can I be pardoned from my, my business, what I do for you as work, and can I go? 
And the king went ahead and pardoned him, pardoned him and let him leave. But see, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you do. Especially when you're doing it right or doing something for good or for the cause of God. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you do. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you. So you just better get used to not being the most liked person in the room. See, I think some of the problem is, is that we don't have tough enough skin and grit first to get past the thing that, well, they don't like me. So, who's they? Anyways, who are they to you? Are they God? Because obviously you place them in that position when you give them that authority over you. But see, God created you. He's the one who designed you for purpose, on purpose, in a place of where you need to be. And Nehemiah knew that. He knew that he was designated and designed for this moment to go out and help rebuild the wall. And here he had Tobiah and he had the Sambala and he had the Ammonites and all these people coming against them. And, and you ever had somebody just run their mouth just nonstop towards you? Just they can't shut up. Can I just get in it for a minute? Just, you know, could you just shut up just for a minute? Just quit running your mouth at me. You ever had somebody do that? That they will tell you that every, like, they're just constantly, well, you're not doing that right, or this isn't done right, or that's not going to work out, or that's not how it's supposed to happen, and you can't go that way, and you can't do that, and this isn't how you're going to be, and you're never going to be good enough, and you're never going to have enough, and it's never going to work out, and it's always going to fail. Just shut up. Why are we, I'm sorry, if you have children in this room, please don't say that word again. Could you be quiet? So... So what happens is, well, sorry, sorry about that. I'm, please forgive me, all you parents. Remember when our children. kids would say <laughs> shut up to us? Ooh. And we wondered why. Yeah. And it's because the cat, ah, oh, shut up. Yeah, Tom and Jerry, good Tom and Jerry. Not Tom and Jerry. Not though. Tom and Jerry, but it's uh, Sylvester. Sylvester. Yep. And we're like, why are they saying shut up to us? Because I'm going to do something crazy. But we found out it was the, the cat kept yelling was, and saying, it was shut the cat up. on TV. You can blame Sylvester, not me. So what's going to happen is here, we're in this. Why do we struggle so hard, though, to tell the enemy to be quiet? Why do we let him have rule in our lives to keep running his mouth? And I love what Nehemiah begins to pray. Is he says, oh, listen to us, dear God. We're so despised. Boomerang their ridicule on their heads and have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forget, forgive their iniquity, and don't wipe away their sin. They've insulted the builders. I mean, those are pretty strong words. Nehemiah had some grit about himself to even tell Jesus Christ, don't forgive them. Don't, don't tell them that they're okay. They ain't sorry. They're not sorry. And what happened is I think in the reality, I think we need to quit looking at the enemies, our, our, the people in our lives, at the enemies. One of the things that I've loved that's been said by several of us is don't put a face to the enemy. And what happens is many times we get so um, intrigued by what we see other people are doing and entrapped by that, that we put a face to the enemy when all along we should be telling the enemy of our souls to be quiet and shut up because the fact of it is, is that he does not care about you and he does not deserve to be forgiven for the things that he's put on you that way. He doesn't have to have that. You don't have to feel sorry for telling the enemy of your soul, be quiet. 
Quit talking to me that way. And so I think if you look at it, you know, they had, Nehemiah had perseverance to continue to move and to continue to go and to continue to keep going on no matter what the enemy was getting in his ear. You know, there's going to be gnats in your life all along and all the time. Let me, let me say something to that. You know, it's funny how the governor gathered all the ones that were indifferent. This governor that came against Nehemiah went and grabbed all these other people that he had indifference with. He, them were kind of his enemies, but he knew if he could grab all the, isn't it funny how somebody will bother you and the next thing you know, they're trying to get somebody else to gather with them, to be in agreement with them. So then it tries to bring this, this masquerade against you. It, it is an illusion. And it's interesting how here he was, didn't even like the ones he was trying to gather with to say, let's come against Nehemiah. And one thing I keep thinking about when you were talking is the reason you are entertaining it because you've not allowed God to heal it. So you turn your head and you keep entertaining. I remember when I went into, into Israel and they said, when you get off this bus, don't turn your head to these people that are going to try to manipulate you. I'm thinking there, there's Islamic. There, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. There's a battle going on. But I needed to listen to the instructions. I go out. I don't look to my left. I don't look to my right. I stay focused on what that, what that trainer said to do. But the lady behind me turns around and looks at these people and said, well, wait a minute. I might want to buy that. And the next thing you know, we have a horde of people following us, chanting and manipulating. And I said, couldn't you just listen to instructions? Couldn't you just listen to what the, what the trainer said? Can't you just listen to this instructions? Because, see, when you don't allow God to heal certain things in your life, your head's going to turn because you're in agreement with something in your soul. That's why your head's turning. See, Nehemiah's head didn't turn. That's why he prayed what he prayed. And he had confidence and authority to pray what he prayed. Some of you don't pray. There's certain things you need. Well, I don't know. I don't want them to be hurt. Well, I'll just, oh, come on in the house. And here they are with gossip and these things. God's, God said to guard the wellspring of your heart. Nehemiah guarded the wellspring of his heart. Let me say this real quick. You can't be half-hearted in this building. Now, if you're half-hearted in the building and you are only got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you are going to be manipulated. You're going to be devised. You're going to be, and then you will become the predator. You're the victim and then you will become the predator. Because you never want to separate yourself like Nehemiah did to really build and do the work of God. Well, I think about as you, a couple of things when you were saying about the woman. But what you were just saying right there is that all the enemy wants to do is get a rise out of you. Right? But perseverance causes you to rise to the occasion, not the emotion. 
When you have perseverance, you'll rise to the occasion of the situation and not the emotion. Because there's many times that you aren't going to feel like doing what is being asked of you in the situation that you're in. Your emotions may be telling you that this is too much. This is too overwhelming. I don't have the ability to do this. I don't want to deal. I can't adult today. Well, guess what? You can't just go backwards either. I mean, that's not how it works. You have to deal. And the thing about it is, is being half-hearted there is one of the key things in the scripture. I believe it's in verse 8. It says, we kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Your heart, what you have in here is grit to help get you through. It's not so much what you have right here because right here can steer you a whole bunch of places. But if you allow right here to get itself straight with God in the spirit, then what happens is it will then begin to align your mind to be set upon God to know that I have the heart to do the work. I have the grit to do the work. I have the ability to keep going. I don't care what I think I feel. I'm going to work off what I know because I'm going to rise to the occasion. That's the key. Perseverance causes you to seek wisdom instead of impulse and build spiritual muscle so you can defeat and disarm the enemy. That lady, the reason she didn't listen is she lived off of impulse instead of listening to the wisdom. And that's part of our problem is we are very impulsive people. We impulse buy, we impulse do, we think. Everything's a quick, quick, real quick thought process to go through. And what happens is then we'd rather, you know, suffer the consequences. And I think we get this mentality of I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. I'd rather do something and then turn around to God and say, oh, I'm sorry, God, I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. You did mean to do that. You purposefully did not ask God anything. You purposefully went ahead and did your own thing. Don't tell God you didn't. Just, just say, you know what, God, forgive me. And from now on, I want to listen to you because I want to build wisdom but the, in my life. But the, the governor was threatened of his lifestyle and his trade and his money. Isn't it funny how things get threatened so easily? And so they moved by their impulse, the governor, and came against them because they were threatened of their lifestyle. Isn't it funny how this world is threatened? <laughs> Isn't it funny how the United States is threatened of the lifestyle of what God really wants? And so the media comes in and it manipulates certain things in an impulse. And if you don't know what the truth is, you lean over to what, it, the, what this thing is saying. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're leaning back and you're riding in the same car with it. And you got to quit moving with an impulse of certain things of a lifestyle. God said to come out from among them and be separate. Nehemiah came out from among them. And no matter what that lifestyle was, and even if it was threatened. In, and I, I showed Brandon the, the, the map of the wall. Y'all don't understand. That wall was unbelievable. It wasn't like he was going, I'm going to build this little piece that goes from here to here. And we'll build that wall up because that one's broken down. No, it was a wall. And every certain gate that needed to be covered to fortify. He wants to fortify your wall. Powerful. It's powerful. A couple things before we transition 
this direction is that in that sense, as God said, perseverance doesn't deny your struggle. It just doesn't bow to it. Perseverance doesn't deny that you're struggling. I think sometimes we try so easily to just be like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You liar. You ain't good. Just tell the truth. I'm struggling. That doesn't mean I'm going to bow to my struggle or that I'm going to give into it. I'm just struggling. People, hey, hint to everybody in this room. Christians struggle. <gasps> what? You mean you, have, you don't feel good sometimes that you struggle? No way. You love God. You never should struggle. That, that is a lie from the devil himself. Not today, Satan. That is a lie. We struggle at times. But the thing that is the problem is we bow to our struggles instead of bowing to the king to give him our struggles. And when you bow to them, what happens is you let them lord over you instead of allowing the Lord to be Lord of your life. You don't have to bow to it. Perseverance does not allow complaining to be at the heart of work being done. It doesn't allow complaining. It said, uh, it said just in the land of no return, forgive, don't forget their iniquity, but it says we kept at it, rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah didn't go to God and just be like, I'm just going to keep complaining about it. He said his peace to God. He told God how he felt about it. And then he got up and went on. He didn't just drown himself in his sorrows of that somebody's coming after me and somebody doesn't like me and things aren't working out the way I thought. He didn't do that. He just moved on to do the work. He didn't keep complaining of, well, these stones are so heavy and this is too hot and now we have to build something else and we don't have enough workers and now they're coming after us and now we got to get spears. Oh, and now we got to carry one in one hand and a tool in the other and then we got to shift and now I've only got one trumpeter. Is everybody going to hear the trumpet sound when they're miles down the way? I mean, come on, God. Is there anything easy? Can this just not be easy? He didn't do that. He just kept at work. And I know that as it went down on it, it says the builders are pooped and their rubbish piles are up. We're in over our heads. But what happened was Nehemiah, as a great leader, came out from among them and gave grit to say, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep being steady, and we're going to keep moving. And he returned their focus directly back to God. And I think of anything in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your circumstance, if you can just return your focus straight back to God, he will come through, he will deliver, he will remove everything that's against you, and he will give you the tools that you need to finish the work. Your enemies will always mock you when you're in, moving in the right direction. They always will. It's a sign of you walking in the purpose and will of heaven. When your enemies attack, it should always be a confirmation that you're doing the right thing. So when we, when we are moving with God's purpose and with the purpose of heaven, then the enemy will always attack. I was telling Crystal this earlier. Isn't it funny? that Jesus fasted for 40 days and at the end of his fast, the enemy came. Isn't it funny because we had this mindset that, man, if I fast, everything's broken. Everything's going to be good. But at the end of our fast is when the real attack comes. Right? And so the enemy comes to try to distract us. And the reason he's trying to do that is because he's trying to get you to forfeit what you fasted for. Nehemiah and them fasted. 
and they prayed because they wanted to see the purposes of heaven come to life. God gave Nehemiah the vision, but here's the crazy thing about the vision he had. It would only stay a vision if feet were never put to it. Did you hear what I said? We can share vision with you. We can throw vision at you. But until you put the feet to that vision, it will never be accomplished. Nehemiah said, listen, I've got a vision from God because we fasted and we prayed. And, and we're going to go and fulfill it. And so we, I'm going to take some people with me. And the king is going to give us everything that we need because that's the favor of God. That's the way he operates. Favor comes from the king. And all of a sudden, everything that you need, every supply, every bit of money, every worker, everything that you need comes into play. And so they go out and they begin to put feet to the vision. But not only feet to the vision, they begin to put work to the vision. The reality of the kingdom is, is yes, we can find favor with God, and yes, God can give us visions, but there is work to do in the kingdom. Faith without works is dead. We can have all the faith in the world to see mountains move, but if we never put action to it, they will never move. Because didn't Jesus say that you could have faith the size of the mustard seed and you could say to this mountain? Sometimes faith causes you to speak something into existence that wasn't even there. But you have to first speak it. You can't just sit back and say, okay, God, when's this mountain moving? I've got to speak it into existence. Nehemiah spoke something into existence. He said, listen, we're going to go do the vision that God has given me and we're going to rebuild the walls. Sometimes the things that we go through are the, are the very things that God is using to build us back up. That's a hard thing to grab a hold of because sometimes we don't like what we go through. Sometimes we don't like the struggle. Sometimes, let me say everybody's favorite word, sometimes we don't like the process. Right? How many love that word process? Y'all lying, raising your hand. <laughs> I lied too. Because we don't always like the process that we have to go through. It's not fun, but understand that it's the building up of endurance and it's the building up of your faith. It's the building up of perseverance. It's all of this. I'm sure Nehemiah didn't like the fact that an enemy was coming after him and going to try to stop the process that they were in of rebuilding the walls, but the, the understanding that Nehemiah had was this. I'm not going to sit around and complain and moan and groan, but I'm just going to pray. Because when I fasted and prayed, he answered. So if he's going to answer then, he's going to answer now. Right? i got to read something. Christy, I did not give this to you, and I apologize. Not really. It's found in 2 Corinthians, man. This wrecked my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Whew. It says, we have great endurance in hardships and in persecutions. We don't lose courage in a time of stress and calamity. We've been beaten many times, imprisoned, and found ourselves in the midst of riots. We endured many troubles, had sleepless nights, and gone hungry. Anybody feel this? Anybody had sleepless nights? Anybody gone through struggles? We have proved ourselves by our lifestyles of purity, by our spiritual insights, by our patience, and by showing kindness by the spirit of holiness, and by our uncritical love for you. Woo-wee. You got an uncritical love for somebody, or are you critical of them? I love you, but I'm, I'm still your critic. 
We commend ourselves to you by our truthful teachings, by the power of God working through us, and with the mighty weapons of righteousness. Here we go. A sword in one hand and a shield in the other. Amid honor or dishonor, slander or praise, even when we are treated as deceivers and impostors, we remain steadfast and true. We are unknown nobodies. <laughs> we are unknown nobodies whom everyone knows. We are frequently at death's door, yet we are here. Woo! I'm about to get up and run. That is so powerful. Amid honor or dishonor, slander or praise, even when we are treated as deceivers and impostors, we remain steadfast and true. We are unknown nobodies whom everyone knows. We are frequently at death's door, yet we are here, still alive. Woo! We have been severely punished, yet not executed. We may suffer, yet in every season, we are always found rejoicing. Come on. We may be poor, yet we bestow great riches on many. We seem to have nothing, yet in reality we possess all things. What was really going through the spirit of Nehemiah? I mean, this is Paul writing this to the church at Corinth. And he's like, listen, we go through hell, but yet we've got everything because we have him. It doesn't matter what struggles I go through. I love this right here. When he said, by the power of God working through us and with the mighty weapons of righteousness, a sword in one hand and a shield in another. What were they doing on that wall, Pastor B? Multitasking. They had a sword in one hand. Sword in one hand. And a hammer in another. A hammer, a trial, whatever, tool in the other trying to figure out, as he said, because when you start putting your walls back up, the enemy doesn't like it because when you put it up, it, the enemy knows now there's a hedge of protection. I can't get in. So I'm going to try to stop the process in the moment. Nehemiah understood that with praying and seeking the Lord's face. He didn't send message back to the king of Persia. He, he sent a message to the king of kings. And the king of kings relayed the message back. It's time to, let me, let me pull it out because you know I got it. You know I'm going to pull this thing out. <laughs> you know I'm going to pull it out. Who said shut up? No. <laughs> he said put the sword in one hand. And I'll grab the other because, you know, I've got to call Larry. I can't hold a mic and hold a sword and hold, well, I do weird stuff back there, so I'll probably. Yes. So, uh, this is heavy. I'm not like Peter getting my ear cut off, and I'm going to cut some ears. But you got to think about this. This thing is heavy. Thor. This is thick Thor. Um. If he seems worthy to pick up the... But how funny is that? We, we think about Thor, but how funny is that? Because we never seem worthy to do anything, right? right? Come on. But because Come on. We don't, we, we're not there and we think we're not qualified, he qualifies the unqualified, and he calls us that you are worthy to do this, and so just do it. 
And I'm telling you, you had to have some perseverance in your life because you cannot. I mean, if you're talking about having a sword and fighting, you're training. And you're talking about building, there's a craft to that. There's a craft to this, too. And the reality is, you got to focus, you want to give 100 Sorry, sorry. It was you. No, it was me. We'll always blame the sound people. It's fun. Um, they get the worst job ever. But and the reality is, is you have to multitask. And the problem is, is it's just too hard. I mean, trying to hold this up for a while, it's going to wear you down. Trying to bust some bricks up for a while, it's going to wear you down. Having the sword ready just in case something might happen. They said they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. Well, the tool can change. I mean, you can, I mean, I don't know if they had this, but somehow they had to put the bricks on and somehow they had to create the mud to, to slap it in there to hold it steady. But how many times do we go through a trial? You know what I mean? And we have to be prepared. We have to learn that we have to continue to build and we have to continue to fight at the same time. It's not all fight, no build, and all build and no fight. We have to learn to balance this out, and we talked about this last week, about the balance and drawing that line and knowing this thing is heavy, for real. We, we talked about that. We talked about how that we have to uh, learn that balance and, and how that, you know, we have to have perseverance through this because you have to, despite the difficulties, they said they were tired, they were wore out, they were pooped out, whatever you want to call it, they were done. And I hope that this week that you, you took the time on your own to, did, to do some damage assessment for yourself. Because until you do a damage assessment, you don't know what to build. You're just building little sandcastles, and that's all going to fall down anyway. But when you have the damage assessment, Nehemiah walked around by himself, just him and God, not his cronies, not nobody else, nobody in his ear, just him and the Lord and try to figure out what is going on here. They did try to rebuild that temple. They did work on some of that temple, but all the walls were ruined, and all the stuff was ruined. And as things were happening and as they were building, because it was all this by itself, all by itself, building the wall, building and building. And then all of a sudden, people started to come. No, 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 you, ain't, no, you don't need to be building the wall. Why are you building the wall? Because at first they're like, hey, no, not even a fox is going to be climbing on that wall. That wall is going to fall apart. But they started seeing that, wait, there's no more light in between that wall. Wait, you're, you're plugging up all the holes. You're, you're taking the trial and you're, you're, you're filling it all in where it's at. What's going on? And so they started to fight and they said, you have to. Did you hear what that scripture said at the beginning? That they stayed in the same clothes the whole time that they worked and fought during the day and guarded at night? The same people that when you look at the, at the scripture and you read through it, that it's in chapter three and it's a lot of words and it's a lot of names that are hard to pronounce. That's why I love the Bible app that reads to you. It does it for you. Um, but everybody in their area where they lived built their area. If you lived on this wall, you're building that wall. You're not building this wall. You're building that wall. If you lived over here, stay in your position. Absolutely. Stay where you are. If you're in that area, stay in that area. Start building up that area. It is unreal. Christy, if you just put that map up. Mom, you talked about the map. I had the map. There's a map of it. 
Real quick, I'm going to get into this. Um, it's hard to see and understand. There is a lot of gates, those uh, black squares or gates, and then the wall. Uh, perseverance. Definitely have to have it to do this. The wall was built in 52 days. 52 days, not 52 weeks, not 52 years. So basically, all they did was eat, sleep, and drink wall. Nothing else was on their mind. Because if they could not build the wall, nothing else could be done to celebrate or enjoy life because the walls were down. Nehemiah became governor through the king of Persia, but the governor, governor had its own allowance of money and food. He would have so many cattle and so many sheep that he can eat from daily. He refused all of it and ate with the people and sweated with the people and did all that until everything was completed. Then they feasted all together. He didn't live above them. He lived with them. The, ball, the, the wall was built in 52 days. The length was about 2.5 miles long. The height was about 40 feet high. And the thickness of the wall was about 8.2 feet thick. Eight, over eight foot thick. Just thickness. Just for the wall. In 52 days. See here, let me get into this real quick. He built the wall out of burnt stones. Can you hear me real fast? He built the wall from burnt stones. What did he bring in? He brought in wood. He didn't bring in a bunch of stones. The stones all fell down, and he had to privately go and assess what was actually going on, and he started to build the wall with burnt stones. I'll say this, guys. I know your stones have probably been burnt, and maybe you've been burned a few times. I know you've been through the fire. Anybody else been through the fire? I know that you've seen the ruins of what you've gone through. And what has happened to you, and you probably can look at it and say, I don't know how I can rebuild from this. But I'm telling you right now, the enemy is a liar, and he's trying to tell you you can't rebuild from ruined stones, from burned stones. You can build a new wall with burned stones. You can build a new wall with burned stones. Can I talk to the people, like Pastor Josh was saying this when he was reading the scripture. Can we talk to the people that have secrets? We're talking about rebuilding some stones. Anybody got some secrets? Talk to the people that got mistakes. Anybody that's been in an affair? Oh, now we're getting deep. <laughs> Can we talk to anybody that's had an abortion? Anybody that's gone through something? Anybody that's had problems in their lives, those people with burned stones, that's who we need to talk to. You can rebuild. No matter what has happened and what you've done, you can rebuild the wall. You can. God wants to build a new wall out of your burned stones. Why did he get the wood? It's because the wood was burned up, and you cannot reuse burnt up wood. And what's so crazy is Nehemiah went before the king and asked the question, and in that question, 
uh, well, the, the king asked the question. He said, what do you want? I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've figured out what you wanted yet. Oh, I just need money. No, get, get for real. I'm not going to go into detail, but at the end of service, I, I, I made mention that, you know, you know what I want? I want 240-something thousand something dollars for to pay this building off. What's crazy is by the time I walked off the platform, down the aisle, somebody handed me a check for $4,000, and guess where that went? To the principal of this building this week. Did you hear me? What do you want? What do you want? That actually happened last Sunday. Before I stepped out of that door. What do you want? And he said, oh, well, I need the wood. I need to get into the, the king's forest. Because I need to rebuild some gates. <laughs> and so, see, here the problem is, is that they're not usable when you burn wood. You cannot reuse the wood. And the crazy thing is, all of you is not wood, though. You hear me? All of you is not wood. God still wants to rebuild with what has been ruined. Even if something has been burned up and it can't be reused, all of you is not wood. He can still salvage and rebuild with you. So you have allowed, the problem is, is because the walls are down, you have allowed these other nations to come and infect you. When all you really need to do is build back the wall. So Nehemiah climbed back up on the wall and started rebuilding. He had a sword in his hand. They're sitting there fighting and building. They're trying to build a wall, and these guys are so mad. They're so mad. He climbs up. He wants to rebuild this wall. And what happens? There's two guys. They just don't stop. There's these other countries that they sit on the outskirts just waiting for you to mess up. Wanting to trip you up, wanting to say the craziest things that get you stirred up, to get you unfocused. This is a time for, I guess you would say, like innovation for the church. This 2021 and 2022, guys, we're writing out some crazy stuff in our world. And don't, don't, don't act like it don't exist. It exists. And please be praying for Israel because that's real. This stuff's real. You're going to have to build from burnt stones. You're going to have to have perseverance to assess what's left and go back and build it. Not crying, but building. Not complaining, but building. Not dancing and worshiping, but building. We had too many people dancing, worshiping, and flinging flags. But not building. See, you keep giving God your worship, and yet you keep having more attack. You don't understand that worship doesn't replace walls. Walls require involvement. It takes perseverance. You have to build the walls. You have to have a sword in one hand and a tool in the other hand. See, but when Nehemiah was doing this damage assessment, he knew something could be done with these walls. And I think the question is, is do you still believe something can be done with your burnt stones? The stuff you've gone through, the stuff you've, you've struggled with, the stuff you've done that you probably don't want to tell anybody. Can you still, can you believe that it could, that God could still use you? Yeah. 
Well, you have to look from the example of Jesus Christ himself when it says that even the cornerstone was rejected. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, was rejected. It was, he was the one that the builders rejected. And then what ended up happening was he was still the example that, to become that chief cornerstone in the midst of things. And just like I heard you say, sitting here, that we are living stones. We are, we are the ones that God desires to use. That, that's the point of it. We, we have to take from example of Jesus Christ and look at it. If Jesus Christ went through the hardships and the things that are going yeah. on, he said it for himself. You will face trials of many kinds. You will. He, he didn't take the trial away from Nehemiah. No. He, he, he allowed the opposers yeah. to be there because it caused perseverance. Oh, you mean it caused them to grab a sword and it, it caused them to that's grab the shield. Oh, no, no, because that's not the sword I'm talking about. <laughs> Read back in Corinthians again where it said about a sword. Oh, I had it right here. Did you put it up, Christy? In Corinthians, when he was talking about in there about the sword, and we had a sword in one hand and a shield in the other. She's got it right up there. So it said, we commended ourselves to you by our truthful teachings, by the power of God working through us and with the mighty weapons of righteousness, a sword in one hand and a shield in the other. It wasn't literally talking about a sword. He was talking about the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith that they carried. And the problem of it is, is see, we want to go about our days and we don't want to carry the tools that we were commended to carry. And we don't want to live out righteously because we'd rather pick up all the other crap that the world has to offer. And I believe that God's trying to tell us today that you need to put your armor on. You need to get girded up and begin to carry your sword of the spirit and your shield of the faith, and you need to put it on. Put it on. See, and the thing about it Good. is, well, then I'm just going to study all day, and I'm just going to be in faith and live in a hallelujah moment. No, that means what happens is it says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So that means that what happens is the word of God becomes in the heart, and you're able to still pick up the tool and the, and the worker's tool to begin to do the trade that God's given you. And each one of you in this room has a trade that God's given you to do. And the problem of it is, is you've neglected the sword of the spirit, and you've neglected the shield of of faith and what happens now is when you pick it up you're too weak to handle the work that God gave you you better preach this God. ain't time for pansies I'm sorry <laughs> it's time to get some grit this ain't time for pansy faith let me tell you something it takes time to be able to begin to work out a trade and do it but you can't learn a trade if you don't follow the master tradesman. And Jesus Christ gave us the ability. See, I think what happened is God allowed Nehemiah to have the difficulties because he wanted to teach them what the spirit does. The spirit rises and the spirit begins to strengthen you and the spirit begins to arm you and the spirit begins to work and cut through the enemy and it begins to work through everything that happens. It's the word of God. It's the flesh of God living among you that divides the spirit. It's the word. And it hit me so heavy when you said that. I was like, oh, my Lord. There are so many times that I think that we begin to deny the work that God's given us because we haven't studied the worker's manual enough to understand all that we have in us is enough. And what happens is we lay down our shield and we walk around and we want, 
you know what? Don't be a baby Christian. Baby Christians all the time walk around naked. And babies, they're cute when they're naked, but when you grow put clothes on. Amen. Please? Ain't nobody going to be like when a baby in here naked like, oh, ain't that ugly? Nobody's going to be like that. But when you walk around like a Christian and you don't gird up your spirit and put your armor around, you look ugly. Because what happens is you begin to look like the world and you transform to the world and you do what the world says and you dress like the world and you begin to be so open and vulnerable to what the world does that you can't even decipher who you are. Jesus. And the reason that Nehemiah was strong enough to say, carry your swords, is because all of the workers had the heart to follow God. It wasn't even about just that they followed Nehemiah. They had the heart to follow God. And I'm telling you what, many of them could have looked and been like, I'm out. I'm over it. But they didn't. And you want to know why? Because perseverance isn't an option. It's intentional. You have to be intentional to have perseverance. You have to be intentional to want to serve God. You have to be intentional to pick up your word. You have to be intentional to have faith. Because everything around you is going to come try to tear down your walls. You have to be intentional to learn to build. And you have to be intentional to know what God's doing. And I'm telling you what, what I love is the very last scripture in there when it says that they all slept in their same clothes and they all did what it was. And you want to know why? Because they were less concerned with their sacrifices than they were getting the job done. Too many times we focus on what we leave behind instead of what we're gaining ahead. God wants you to begin to focus on what is ahead of you and what you have to gain. You have everything to gain from what he asks you to do. And yeah, you may have to have some sacrifices. You may have to lay in your stank, dirty clothes. You may have to have things that go on. But it doesn't matter if you leave that behind and you quit being consumed with all the things that God's asking you to leave behind. And you be consumed by the Father himself. You'll be able to get done what he's asked you to do. Well, you'll be a threat. You'll be a threat to the dominion of darkness is what's going to happen. Nehemiah was a threat. He was a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And most of us around here are no threat. Churches are not a threat. They can sing and do their little sermons and they can do that, but they're not a threat. Because when we're building something and we're building the kingdom of God, it's a threat to the enemy. It takes his kingdom. It takes his people. Well, I don't think Nehemiah had to beg. How many weeks have we asked that we need children's volunteers in the children's ministry? How many? Four years? You're right, actually. And you know what's funny? And this isn't anything about, about me because of doing it. But I go back there because I want to go back there. I'll give up singing up here on stage because I'm not about platform. I'm about his presence and being where God wants me to be. 
And being back there is important. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't believe Nehemiah had to beg the workers that were giving him to do the job because they knew what they were there for. And the thing about it is, is I believe the problem of some of the reason churches are falling apart is because they're begging for people to do the work. And then you wonder why the pastors and the people in all the leadership roles are getting exhausted and worn out because nobody wants to step up to their trade and do what needs to be done. And I'm not trying to say that to give you a hard time, but what I'm trying to tell you is there work that needs to be done. And somebody better put their big girl and big boy pants on and get up to it and put their armor on and pick up your sword and raise it up and say, I'm going to work for God. And don't just say it because I'm telling you something because you think I'm preaching a good word. I'm telling you the truth. If we all just wanted to sit in the chairs, guess what? None of us would be up here on Sunday mornings. Think about it, guys. It's a trade. You learn things. What's God requiring of you? I can tell you right now. What's God requiring of you? Number one, put your armor on and get get yourself together. Quit walking around dazed and confused like you don't really understand what's going on in the reality of our world when truth is right in front of you. The Word of God says it. And then once you do that, you need to get to work. Do something for God. Anything for God. I'm telling you, you put yourself out there to do something for God even though it may not be the thing that you want to do, but you do it because you know it's going to bless and build His kingdom and see what He does. See what he does for you. I think a lot of it has to do with foundations. I really do. I, I feel this because I, I wrote this and I think it's right. It says that now Tobiah and the Ammonite was near him. And he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break the stone wall down. For me, I'm sitting here thinking about this and I'm thinking, what foundation have you built? Jesus talked about it very specifically. He said there was a man that built his house on sand. And when the storm came and when the waves came crashing, the foundation of that house was ripped away and the whole house was destroyed. But the one man built his house up on the rock, and when the storms began to crash and the waves began to crash, that house stood because of the foundation that it was sitting on. And I think that's what we have to understand is sometimes the reason we crumble and fall is because we're building a foundation that isn't kingdom. We're building our foundation upon sand. When we don't get in the word of God every day, what foundation are you building? You're not building a kingdom foundation. What you're trying to do is build your own kingdom, and that's not good, because your own kingdom will crumble and fall. So Nehemiah said, we are building this foundation. And, and even though it's, it's so crazy to me that the enemy kept trying to talk crap about him. The enemy will always talk to you about your past. Because he's trying to remind you of the foundation you came from. And now we build our foundation upon Christ. And now we stand on that and we live on that. And here's the crazy thing. In verse 7, I love this. It says, now it came about when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches, the breaches began to be closed, they were angry. You want to know why you're under attack? Because you're beginning to close the breaches. Watch this. 
Breaches is a gap in a wall, a barrier or defense, especially one made by an attacking army. For years, you've allowed the enemy to breach your walls. You've allowed it, allowed him to breach your walls through false teachings, through different things like that. That's why the church is in, in, in scattered and, and we have so many denominations because there's been a breach in the wall. And so some believe this and some believe that and, and then we're not in accord and working together because you don't believe the way I believe, blah, 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 blah. And it's because we've allowed the enemy to breach our walls. You've allowed the enemy to breach your walls in your life. And, and God just wants you to begin to fill the gaps in. And the way you fill the gaps in is through prayer and through fasting. And I'll prove it to you. Isaiah chapter 58. I didn't give this one to you either, Christy. Verse 12. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. God begins to deal with fasting. Fasting isn't about you. Fasting is about fasting for other people and for our city and for the repairing of the breach. There's some things in our lives that need to be repaired. Nehemiah was pointing that out. There's some walls that need to be repaired so that the enemy doesn't have access anymore. Some of us keep going through the same thing over and over and over again because we never repaired the breach. There's breaches in our lives that God wants to fix. I was thinking about this too, Brandon, as you had that up. Will you pick those up for me? I know they're heavy, man, but you're strong. You've been working out. Put them together. Thank you. <laughs> what God began to show me was this is that yes, they battled with the sword in one hand and they had a, a hammer in the other to rebuild. But what if your giftings and your talents became one with the sword? What if your gifting and your talents became the very weapon to destroy the works of the enemy? What if you singing up here, Pastor Jen, leading worship, became your weapon that you fight with? What if us preaching up here became the weapon that we fight with? What if the gifts and talents that God's put in you became the weapon that you fight with? Yes, I get it. We need the sword of the Spirit. We better have this in our hearts so that we can fulfill the purposes of God. But what if your gift was always meant to destroy the works of the enemy? When you sit on your gifts and talents, you're sitting on a weapon that could be used to destroy the gates of hell but because you're sitting on it you become useless in the kingdom we want purpose man i heard you talk about this and i was so stirred about it we want purpose and we ask god all the time what's my purpose what's my purpose well my question to you is what is your talent and what is your gift because whatever your gift and whatever your talent is is the very purpose that god wants to use in your life if it's serving, then serve. If it's worship, then worship. If it's preaching, then preach. Whatever that gift is, you have to be willing to use it as a weapon to advance the kingdom of God and destroy hell. Joel 2, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on the holy mountain. Shake the country up. God's judgment is on its way. 
The day is almost here. Hello. Verse 7. The invaders charge. They climb the wall and nothing can stop them. Each soldier does... Listen. Each soldier does what he's told. So disciplined, so determined, they don't get in each other's way. Each one knows his job and does it. Undaunted, unfearless, unswerving, unstoppable. The storm is in the city. Hello? Swarm, it's its defense. Loot the houses, break down the doors, smashing the windows. They arrive like an earthquake. Do you have your armor on? Do you arrive like an earthquake? Sweep through all like a tornado. The sun and moon turn out like off their lights. Stars black out. God himself bellows in thunder as he commands his forces. Look at the size of that army and the strength of those who obey him. God's judgment, great and terrible. Who can possibly survive this? We're at the day of the Lord. Can you stand like an earthquake? Can you stay in your positions? Can you be undaunted? Can you just discipline yourselves? Stay in your own lane. It says they stayed in their own lane. Quit being jealous about who's being where. Find out who who you are and what you need to build. Because that's an important thing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stand up. Uh, I think even as you're older, do you believe God can do something with the second part of your life? You know what I'm saying? Can he rebuild with your burnt stones? And stop, I'll say this, stop using your age as an excuse. I was watching this show and I, and I was reading this thing. This man named Bernie Marcus was a chairman of a handy, handy Dan home improvement and was fired in 1978. The following year, Marcus turned 50 years old. He had devastating, his walls broke down. Something happened, destroyed him. And when he turned 50, he decided to open his own home improvement store and he called it Home Depot devastated him but it didn't stop him Colonel Sanders started Tucky Fried Chicken at 62 years old found the recipe to pressure it all up and thank God (laughs) but what I'm saying is it doesn't matter you limit yourself you limit yourself you got to put a sword in one hand and a tool in another hand you got to build back the bricks. See, hell gets nervous, church. Hell gets nervous. Demons start trembling. Witches start freaking out. And if you don't believe in that, you need to reread the Bible. When you start building walls, when you start putting a sword in one hand and, and you put the tool in the other hand. See, they couldn't stop Nehemiah from building the walls. They tried to distract him from building the walls. So they stood at the bottom of the wall. This is in Nehemiah chapter 6. They stood at the bottom. Sam Ballad and Tobiah told him, hey, we want to talk to you. They sent letters. 
They weren't even sealed. That's a big deal. They sent letters. They are trying to subdue him into thinking that changing their mind is the victory. They want him to accept a false victory. They were trying to trick him up and saying, oh, you're trying to be king. Oh, and the king's going to find out. King of Persia is going to find out you're trying to be king. And you're rebuilding the walls. And he said, that's not true. They gave him an unsealed letter. They said, this ain't even from anybody. It's from you. This isn't true. Well, you need to talk to us. Because they were trying to trick him to getting off the wall. See, let me tell you something. You're not doing any of this. You're not doing any building to prove something to anybody. You're not doing it to prove something to your sister. You're not doing it to prove something to your ex-husband, your ex-wife. You're not doing nothing to prove it to your friend. Not doing nothing to prove it to get the love of your mama or your daddy. You're not doing it for anybody. You're not doing it for the Joneses across the street. Well, they got that, so I better get that. Their grass is not right, but I better have my. You're not doing it for anybody. It was a false goal. A false idea. And Nehemiah on the wall hollers back and says this, why should the work cease? Why should I stop doing what I'm doing? I finally got up on this wall. I finally got a rhythm. I finally got the sword in one hand and the hammer in the other. You're not going to break my rhythm. See, the the enemy wants to break your rhythm today. He doesn't want you to have perseverance in your life. But let me tell you, church, real fast. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. And I'll say this. Let him talk about you. Let him post about you. Let him make fun of you. But don't let him break your rhythm. Quit trying to... Quit trying to solve the problems when people talk about, oh, I just got to, I got to defend myself. You look more guilty defending yourself. Let the God defend you. Don't break rhythm. Too many times. See what God wants to do with these burnt stones of your life? He wants to build something amazing. See, he's going to fortify for generations. It's going to fortify for generations what you build. It's going to make a difference in the city. It's going to make a difference in the world. And what's crazy is God has been opening up influence here at Remnant Church that we've never walked through before. But you're a part of that. It's not time to get depressed. It's no, there's no time to, to lose your voice. No time to stop building. No time to stop fighting. There's no time to, to stop your rhythm. Church, perseverance, grit. No time to give up on your dreams. No time to stop. It's time to have grit. See, I'll just tell you this. The noise beneath you is always a distraction. Keep your eyes on the Lord. The person who's hollering at you, notice this. Notice those two guys didn't ever come up on the mountain. They never came up to Nehemiah for a conversation. They stayed down where they were trying to call you down. Listen, you might need to check yourself real quick. Who's calling you down? Who's hollering up at you calling you down? 
You don't need to go down. You've already been down. Stay up. Stay up on the wall. Stay focused. But if you respond to them, you will do it at the expense of your mission. God wants you to have perseverance. God wants you to have a mindset no matter what you face. See, this is twofold. This is a personal wall you're building. But as you have a heart for God's house, you start building God's house. And you have a sword in one hand and a tool in another. And we build God's house. What we've been doing up here for a year and a half on these, on these seats, we've been having a sword in one hand and a tool in another. We keep building and fighting and building and fighting and fighting and building and fighting and building and giving and serving and fighting. And we got to keep moving. Identify the things in your life that are benefiting from your dysfunctions. My gosh. See, they don't want you better. They don't want you whole. Nehemiah stayed there for 12 years, church. Stand with me. We're going to close this out. They stayed there. He stayed for 12 years. Now remember, he's the cupbearer to the king. The king needs him. It's been 12 years. 12 years. But I want you to understand something real quick. He was a cupbearer and he became a governor. Again, one more time, God will use whoever he wants to use. And I'll tell you this real quick. What we've talked about, this message could make people uncomfortable. It can make them very uncomfortable because it starts to chip away at stuff. It makes them uncomfortable. And, and here's the reality. As long as we're preaching about worship or prosperity, uh, as long as we're preaching, preaching about being blessed, everybody's good. Woo, it's good. And when you start talking about this stuff, it starts chipping away stuff. And people get uncomfortable with that because you have to have perseverance. And too many times people stop at perseverance at the fact of, of the trouble, despite the difficulty. They stop at difficulties. Perseverance pushes through the difficulties they wouldn't have built the wall and here's the reality there is a fight going on in the spirit that's the truth it's time to get up it's time to grab the sword it's time to build the walls it's time to own up to yourself what was the damage assessment that you looked at and know that this offends me this is a problem this has been affecting me and build the walls around you so the enemy can't come in and influence that anymore it's time to build the walls. It takes perseverance. It takes work. If not, you will always be dictated by everybody else and everybody else's opinion. You will be a shaky piece of a church, and you don't need to be that. God wants a strong church. You are the church. He wants you strong and courageous. All he wants you to do is be available. Are you willing to pick up the sword? Are you willing to pick up the hammer? Are you willing to pick up the trial or whatever else is laid before you and say, I will fight for the heart of the king. I will rebuild these walls. I will stay focused. I will. As for me and my house, the whole family, we build in the, we're building walls. If I got to help build it for my family, I'm building the wall. Because just on the other side of the wall is the enemy growling and taunting and wanting in. Oh, you're going to mess this wall up. And when you do, I'm coming at you. Come at me, fool. I'll cut you.
When we gonna have the boldness to say, no matter what, you ain't coming in. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm gonna build this wall and try to jump over the wall. See what happens. See what happens. See what happens. Gosh. I did something different today. I wrote down a prayer. And I think, I think I want to pray it, but I want us to pray it together. It's kind of different than what I've usually done. I tried to knock two birds out with one stone yesterday. I needed to go on a walk because my body needs it. And I love how I can talk to my phone and it writes for me. And so I had my headphones on and I was just saying stuff and it was just typing in for me, which is awesome. No excuse to get stuff done, guys. Mostly, I don't know how to type. It doesn't matter anymore. So here's what I want to do. We're going to turn this down a little bit, and we're going to worship after it. But I'm going to say this prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. We're going to say it together. And then after that, we're going to just spend a couple minutes in worship. And if you've if you got to go, I appreciate you coming. We love you. We're going to build these walls. And if you want, I know it's kind of weird sometimes, but sometimes when you open your hands up, it's just a better way to receive you know what I'm saying? Like, what do we do to the, what, what does my kids do to me? And what do they do? What do these little ones do? When they want daddy, they put their hands up, don't they? Just, just hold me, daddy. Anybody want that? It don't matter how old you are, you just want held. Ain't nothing like mama's, mama's soup and laying on her lap and let her rub your head while you don't feel good. Nothing like a father. All right, let's do this. Just repeat after me. Here we go. God, thank you for giving me perseverance to build back the walls of old stones. God, I'm going to rule my temper. I'm going to rule my tongue. I'm going to rule my depression. I'm going to rule my fear and anxiety. I'm going to rule my feelings of unworthlessness. God, I'm going to rule my spirit. My biggest enemy is inner me. Let me say that one more time. God, I'm going to rule my spirit. My biggest enemy is inner me. Today, I'm going to build the walls. And every time a negative thought comes to me, I'm going to put a brick in that place. Brick by brick, I build this wall. I offer it to you. The work starts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. I hope this helps people. Perseverance is the key to have grit. We're going to worship for just a couple minutes. You're free to go. We love you. Listen, do that assessment. Let's build the walls. It took him 52 days. Just start. Just start. You got more people for you. 
We love you. Have a good day.